ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. those just starting out elk hunting it can all be so overwhelming add in all the hype and advertisements and social media and it's so easy to get caught up confused or have to spend years trying to wade through it all on today's show we're joined at elk camp by the one and only guy duplanche of the western contours podcast adding his unique perspective as we talk about how those new to elk hunting can avoid getting overwhelmed or falling victim or even becoming misinformed. We also have a very honest discussion about defining success. Whoo, buddy, y'all put your boots on because it's going to get deep. That discussion with some Elk Bros shout outs and great questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. How's it going there, Elk Bros? This is Tim Cordova, coming to you straight from the job site. A true blue collar elk hunter here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of Pikes Peak, America's Mountain. Also home to all those damn elusive elk that keep getting away from me every year. But I'll tell you what, this year, with the help of the Elk Bros, they're in trouble. See you in them woods, boys. 
Wow. Wow. Thank you, Tim. Way to kick off our show there, buddy. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, your host of your show, and as usual, all the bros are in the house. The Venezuelan Mafia is in the house. Luis Gonzalez and Manano Graterón and your Elk Elk hunting coaches. That's right. We got the Leroy Chavez Chavez in the house and Joe Gillia out of Cimarron, New Mexico. And tonight, pulling up a chair and joining us here at Elk Camp. He's that voice, the Mac Daddy of the mic with the raspy, deep voice of a monarch herd bull, the man behind the voice of the incredible Western Contours podcast, the gear junkie, archery slash hunter extraordinaire and promoter of the hunter lifestyle our friend and brother mr guy duplanchet what's happening boys welcome boy. how we doing gents welcome. i appreciate the time man this is awesome I'm, I'm, oh man so cool to have you brother i'm not watching or listening i'm i'm sitting right here live with you guys man heck yeah man this is awesome yeah yeah joined in the circle man guy it uh it's so funny i mean you say you're not watching or listening i was just listening to you you know on a two-hour drive earlier today that's and, awesome man. and you don't know this but um when we started this whole podcast thing uh, had no idea when we first came into this. I think it's it's a little over two years now that we started this yes, podcast. Sir. And so I was like, I'm going to go out and listen to some of these podcasts and find out, you know, what this is like and start looking for those people that are really doing it and find out what the formulas are for success. Cause I'm one of those people that if you want to be good at something, you find people that are good at it, man, and learn, follow, listen, those things. Yeah, that's why Manano sticks with me all the time. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> starting already, guys. Already. I, I love it. And the very first podcast that I listened to and the one that I targeted was this podcast called Western Contours. Oh, man, no way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you started that podcast not too much longer before we did. I'm not right. sure, but yeah, man, just, I, uh, as soon as I heard the voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did I, did I swoon you? your podcast going? I, uh, I started, I started recording the end of 2018, dropped the first episode, January 1st, 2019. So I'm in my and third year. And what inspired year. you to do it? Man, just, just wanting to hear the everyday stories, right? Yeah. The Gilbert Ornelas's, the, the Chavs, <laughs> the, the VM guys. I wanted to hear the everyday stories. I love hearing like those, you know, the big names, the, the big league hitters, if you will. Sure. But you miss you miss something with yep. that. Right. And, and it was just like, how do I do this? How do I get those stories that you get around the campfire at the archery shop as a, you know, average Joe blow guy that oh, doesn't oh, oh, have oh, access. Found the hot button guy. <laughs> Truth hurts or something there. I don't know. <laughs> So, I mean, that was, that, that's all right, man. That was, uh, 
that was really what, you know, what spurred it. Um, and man, just, you know, you go to the archery shop or somewhere, you're at the range and you start talking, you stand there for three hours and you shot two arrows because you just sitting there shooting the S about, you know, about hunting, man. And, and sure. I, I don't know that it's, that it gets better than that, you know, and then you start meeting people and the values in the hunting community. Mm-hmm. Um, it man, it just, it's almost overwhelming, right? All the good that hunting does and, and, and the lifestyle. So, I mean, that's, you know, my long winded version of what you probably were looking for in a nutshell. No, and I, and I, I love that answer. I mean, Joe, Joe and I, you know, we uh, hunting is our passion. Elk hunting especially is our passion. And, you know, Joe taught whole, uh, he, he's Joe's an incredible coach. I've had him as my coach for a long time, him and Chad, but um, as a profession, and that's what they did. They were, you know, track coaches and teachers uh, of people. And I've always wanted to make a living doing what I love because it would never feel like a job. You mm-hmm. know? And Joe and I talked a couple years back and we're like, Joe's like, what do you think about doing a podcast? And I'm like, Joe, they pay me to talk. You know, <laughs> talk. I could talk leg off a wooden Indian. You know, so absolutely, brother. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you want to do a podcast? Okay, cool. I I got no problem acting a fool or you know having fun. I mean, this is something that's fun for us, mm-hmm. and we get to talk to guys like you, and you know, uh, I mean, all, all of the hunting community is kind of man. We're small potatoes, man. Like you said, we're no major league hitters. We're no Mike Waddell, you know, Bill Jordan. I mean, we're none of those guys, but at the end of the day, we're, we're passionate about what we do just like those guys are. And, and those guys have paved the way for guys like us to do what we're doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're just bringing blue collar guys into the middle of this deal and, and trying to help them get started. Cause look, man, our sport's expensive. You know, it, it costs a lot of money to do what we do. And some of the guys, you know, are, are, are come from real meager means and stuff. And we try to help them get, get things started off, you know? Yeah. That barrier of entry is one of the things that, uh, that I think you guys hit really well on, right. It's just that, that, you know, the blue collar aspect of it. And that's kind of what draws me to, you know, being a fan of the podcast and you we guys, appreciate it, guy. you know, it's uh, huge fans of yours. I can't yeah, thank the, you the, enough for having all of us give, be able to give you a little bit of peace of us and, and you, showcase it on your podcast bro oh, man the reflection awesome. the reflection series is unbelievable i mean i uh, think it, it's, it's a genius idea to kind of rocking man it's rocking exactly and it just yeah. to to kind of pick the brains of you know all the people out there just kind of their perspective on on mindset and yeah. and uh and i think i think it's wonderful so um i think we all benefit from it so oh and gosh. again as gilbert said we're just <laughs> just more than honored to to kind of be part of it so thank you for having us uh, help with that yeah and i was honored to have you guys that's what's so great about this community is that bottom line you know we all got to go up that mountain the same way we're all going to sweat when we do it and we're all going to have those verilakes or different things that are happening and i want you to know manano man uh guy is a verilakes extraordinaire i mean he's got the formula for that right guy so he got the voice at least. <laughs> He's the man. Yeah. He's the man. You guys, I'm gonna have to take this hat off. You keep blowing me up. <laughs> I think a cool thing.
thing is, is Gilbert, you know, here you host a podcast. We got Gilbert host a podcast. Gilbert, man, is a personality that no matter where he goes, man, he's always this personality, man. He's just, he's that guy. He's that guy that you just love to listen to and listen to his stories and, and sound thick. But here you do a podcast. And from what I understand, socially, you're not the same way. No, you know, okay. So, I mean, my wife has issue with this, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but if you look at where I'm at, right. And, right. It, and you look at what I'm surrounded by here in California, right. It, 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 for me to really be social or interact, I, I always feel like you need to have some kind of commonality, right? If you're going to make that connection, you need commonality. Um, and it's hard. It's hard for me to relate because my views are so much different than a lot of these people. It doesn't mean I'm not cordial or, you know, present myself in a nice way, but I don't, I don't vibe with some of that. And, you know, a lot of times if you start talking hunting or, you, you know, it's just, you're like left field to these folks. Yeah. yeah. Right. So after how'd a while, you feel, you just, how'd you, you feel, feel like talking? a round, round peg in a square hole? No, I'm around, I'm around peg in a round hole, Yeah. but, but you know what I mean? So that's, that's what's caused me that I'm going to say caused me that distance because I don't feel like that there's a connection. Now you get me talking to you guys yeah. and there's I was that going to say, how did you feel talking to us before the show? Oh, man, now we have, we have that commonality. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We, we have something in common. We have, you know, maybe we didn't put boots on the same path, but we have that shared struggle. Um, and, and there's a lot in just that struggle, right? That, that as soon as we look at each other and we start talking, you know, know what's going on in that guy head you know so we have a similar situation in our uh you know community for latin people uh especially in venezuela we don't have uh, any uh haunting culture and if you i mean uh, personally i don't post and on my personal account any any haunt because uh, 99 of my followers are uh, from venezuela they don't they don't they don't have that that hunting culture so if i post something with with a little bit of blood or, or a trophy yeah, yeah they're, they're gonna go back and you know but you eat know, bro, me alive I, so, I think that's a huge mistake man i i, I think that's almost like yeah a, but, but, a closet a closet hunter man because you don't you don't have that chance to open those discussions some of those people don't want to hear the discussion right yeah. but at the same time anytime you get the opportunity to educate you know i i I don't yes. think you should be hiding your passion no, we, because we, of other people. We, we don't, actually. We're, yeah, we're, we're doing it. What Manano's saying. We, we, yeah, we're doing it. Cultural difference. Yeah, we're doing it in, uh, in, uh, in our older accounts. Yeah, for, yeah so, so one of the reasons why I started with my account being called Only Hunters. Uh-huh. It was because it was because of that, yeah. you know, I started posting my hunting stuff in my account and immediately it's just like, Oh my God, how can you possibly do something like that? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I, I, Hey, look, and, and I was all about what you're saying. I was yeah, trying yeah. to educate and all this stuff, yeah. but I just grew, grew tired of it. Yeah, but so I created really a new hard. account called only hunters, which really then hard. became VM it, hunters and stuff like that. Absolutely hard. I, I, I hear you. And yeah. you know, like I said, there's going to be a bunch of them that no matter what they're going to get it exactly but if, but 
if you can affect one person. Oh, and I still do it. Don't get me wrong. So what I do is with the VM Hunters account, we repost a lot of the stuff in our personal accounts. Mm -hmm. And the people that is interested, they would actually, you know, write a message and ask, you know, you know, look, I I understand I like meat, but, you know, how come you hunt like this way? And then I just, okay, when they open the door for that discussion is like, look, I understand and completely respect your point of view, but here's my point of view and here's here's what i know about the you know hunting that you may sure. not know then and you then have an opportunity to educate. then you have an opportunity to have those conversations yeah. but i'm just trying to avoid the extremists yeah, yeah. There's no, you're there's, not going to avoid them they, they troll yeah. us like crazy God, for, for 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 venezuelans there there's no valid argument to 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 you know to to support the the hunt i mean in, in the us the hunt the hunting community it's 86 billion a year so that's an argument and, and you can, you can go you know elk population uh, went from this little bit to that big amount of elk in the mountain from 90s to yeah, right. 2000 so yeah, yeah. because of the conservation and right. because of the of the hunters so uh, we don't have that kind of uh, support in venezuela so handle that guy in your no. crowd man i mean like you said you're in that environment so what what how do you handle that you know it I, for me it's a deeper conversation right and it's not like hey you got five minutes it's do you have 20 yeah. or 30 minutes right yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know and i've said it for a long time even on my platform you know as hunters we have a weak argument because we don't want to have to explain everything right and then i think to a point and excuse me folks listening is that we're not fully educated on it ourselves right because the conversation um should be about biodiversity and conservation and sustainable landscapes right and when we start talking along that line people are more likely to listen uh but it's a long-winded conversation so some people you lose them but that's the step we have to take and and if you lose them you lose them they're going to walk away and remember five or six things out of 20 that you said but at least the wheels are turning because it's easy for somebody to get on and the thumbs start moving and they start googling and then that's when the light bulb comes up if we provide them things like that right well what's biodiversity and they start looking at that um i I think that's where those those conversations need to be had you know i very well said i think one of the reasons that we're not as educated about it is because I, i really think to a point that being a hunter is something that is built into the dna of us you know it's it's something that comes from deep inside man that yeah. that that thirst for being out there for becoming talks part about of it in the bible that, yeah and i see it in my daughters man yeah i mean girls that never never shot a gun never shot a crossbow and and all of a sudden you know you put them in a situation like that and they pull the trigger and they get veto lackeys and they get that heartbeat going and it's just like they don't you don't learn that no. And, and look, they, then they've then they've partaken in something that they're a part of. And now they have harvested food for their own family. Look, and, and, and 
you know, as we evolved as people from the Adam and Eve days, man, God gave us the animals and to be over them in all domains for our use to eat and to and to have to, for working purposes and everything. And, you know, to have a conversation like that, like Guy said, it's deep because these people want to troll you and box you into a corner and make you seem to be some evil person. I've never killed an animal with malice in my heart, you know, not one time, you know, I've never harvested an animal with any malice in my heart. You know, as a matter of fact, man, we pray over our animals when we're done. You know, yeah, we give thanks oh, yeah. to, to, that's to God and creation here. for That's going to come in here. We're going to talk yeah. about that at the end of the show because we got sure. a terrific question out here. So, yeah, but let's sure. start rocking this, man. Absolutely, man. Well, guys, y'all know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros. Shout out to a few cities <laughs> with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yeah, right away, we're going to thank, man, our brother Tim Cordova of Colorado Springs who kicked off the show, man. And, guys, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Tim's no stranger to the Elk Bros. He actually, his question that he sent in actually inspired one of our past episodes. Um, it was the one, if you're not hunting cow elk, you should be. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he was the one that inspired that, his question. And listen, grinders, you too can send a 15 or 20 second <laughs> shout out video through a message either on our Elk Bros Instagram or email. You can email me at joe at elkbros.com that you have a clip and I'll make sure that we get that video. We'd love to have you. And, you know, we're going to do a little bit of change here tonight since we have a guest in camp tonight. <laughs> and to honor his time with us, we are only going to shout out to this week's top listening city and then include the rest of those next week when we get there. But Guy, as our guest tonight at Elk Camp, we would love for you to start us off with a shout out to your hometown, bud. All right, man. Known for its tree-lined cities and green canopies and is a post-World War II planned community where uh, veterans from World War II could get a home loan with no down payment and a 30-year mortgage at 40% interest. About 150 miles of streets and 300 miles of sidewalk and more than 36,000 tree-lined city streets and shade cities parks. Known as Tree City USA, Lakewood, California. Lakewood. What part? Of, what part of Cali is that, guys? So it's, it's in Southern California, so I'm bordering uh, Orange County, uh, okay. and I'm just north of Long Beach. So my my sister lives in La Habra or San Diego, La Habra, that area between San Diego and uh, Cali. I'm trying to remember the the town, uh, and then. Uh, you know, I've got a ton of my family from Malibu. My, mm -hmm. One side of my family is all in the music business. So oh, there you there one thing you're going to find out about Gilbert, man, if if there's a city he's had to flip. He got somebody over there. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, from L.A. to Knoxville, baby. All right, Cabez, let's know the top listening city. Okay, this, this week's top listening city is a 400-year-old port city, home to comedian Bob Saget and the world's largest naval base and the North American headquarters for NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. USA Today calls this city one of the top 10 booming downtowns and is called the Mermaid City and is the birthplace of our own comedian, Joe Gillia. What? <laughs> and that's Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, 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 hey, Joe, do you consider yourself a comedian, bro? 
<laughs> so my grandfather, my grandfather, who was uh, from Italy, didn't speak much English, right? But he always, um, I think, I like he, Manano. That, he he kind of a lot like Manano. He kind of made on like he didn't understand English, and you know, he'd walk around and people would say stuff to him, and he he was like. You know, I, I don't get it. I don't understand, right? And and one time That's my mom came down and and snuck around the corner, and there was my grandpa sitting with me, and he was just talking to me as plain as day in English, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> but he used to have a name for me when I was a baby that in Italian was the little comedian. So <laughs> he thought oh, it was gotcha. pretty funny. What was the name? I, I don't know, dude. I was like knee high to a grasshopper, but so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, my niece, Norfolk. My Norfolk, niece lives in Norfolk, Norfolk Virginia. Virginia, man. Norfolk, mm-hmm. Virginia, man. And that's so cool to have them top listening guys. So, uh, appreciate yeah, appreciate y'all, man. So, guys, we're gonna rock into this because uh, we have Guy with us tonight, and Guy, we're 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 coming to you, and you are going to be our lead off on these, and you know, we're gonna kind of pick your brain, have some conversation, and and like we told everybody this might get a little bit deep tonight but it's going to be honest man and and that's the thing that i think isn't done enough i think there's a lot of questions in people's minds out there because they just don't know if that's something that they can trust man and they hear all these different things from everywhere but you know so many people new to elk hunting when they come in it's just like holy toledo man it's just so much out there i don't you know what you're hit with in social media what you're hit with from the marketing out there what you're hit with from different programs and you know you you go and you watch the different tv shows that give you this whole different picture and I, i'll tell you i had a, a friend of mine that I, I i wanted him to come and film one of my hunts and uh and he had never been elk hunting before so i gave him a, a video disc of a hunt it was probably like a primos or something like that back in the day right gave it to him he watched it and he came back he's like oh piece of cake man so we go to the edge of a meadow we set up a camera you call they come in you shoot it and we're done let me put it to you guy man how can how can these people avoid getting overwhelmed or falling victim or becoming misinformed by all of those things out there and 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 all that propagated hype or if you don't think it's hype you know maybe it's it's not man so so i have a couple feelings on it right I got to excuse me because I got to watch my mouth and everything. So <laughs> in, in, in terms, you, you got to know what kind of hunter you are first, right? Let me take this hat off. You got to know what kind of hunter you are. And if you understand what kind of hunter you are, then you can kind of go in the direction of what you think suits you best. Right. And that's a hard thing to say, you know, I'm this kind of hunter, especially if you're green, green, right. If yeah. you're now, if you're a guy that's never chased anything, um, you just, to me, it's trial and error. You can watch all you want to watch, but it's going to be boots on the ground experience. That's going to suit you the best. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what you, what you consume. Um, in terms of the flood of information, if you're trying to decipher and get through that stuff, I would say stay away from 
the, I don't want to say branded stuff, but if, if it's because you like a Matthews bow or you like this call company, or you like this boot company, not to say that it's bad content or bad information, but don't make that the reason that you were watching that. And then secondly, don't make that the reason that that's the only thing that you're consuming, right? Because with all the information out there, you don't even if you don't know what type of hunter you are, you can go and get all the bits and pieces and put them together to, to build that repertoire. Yeah. I, I think he's 100% right on the money, Joe. First of all, you got to find out, you know, uh, when you're starting out, what kind of hunter you are, you know, uh, and what you're looking for in a hunt, you know, uh, which leads us into, you know, some other questions like, where could you go wrong doing that? Yeah. You know, all of that information can be very overwhelming, but I will tell you something that I would do not no shameless plug either, but I definitely listen to Western contours and the <laughs> Elk Bros podcast because that dang sure gets you straight on the right, right path. Right. I mean, from episode one, what do you say, Louise? Uh, I mean, you know, and I'm just kind of thinking how my journey began. Right. And, uh, and and I got a couple of, uh, of general thoughts here. The first one is, look, if this is something that you think you're passionate about and something you got a strong interest on, um, go ahead and get started. I mean, just just go ahead and jump in and, and start digging into the information there is out there. Yes, I do agree. There is a lot of information out there, but I think having uh, having a mentor uh, having uh, a couple couple people that that uh, it's already doing it it goes a long ways because then you have you have that one on one you have that person that can guide you to where you know yeah where, where information is at and, and what kind of things you can look upon see I was I was completely led the wrong direction when I started joining Manano and his Thank hunts you, Thank <laughs> so I mean I had to I, I had to turn around and look at Beto and say Beto, please, man. I mean, I'm just going completely the wrong direction here. I need I some, I need some your life. guidance. So Beto was like there to kind of support me and tell me, no, look, Manano is completely wrong. He's a nice dude, but I mean, he's. I saved your life, man. <laughs> I saved your life. <laughs> so, you were hunting with a shotgun. But, 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 but in reality, I think, you know, one, just, just go ahead and get started. Have the courage to go ahead and step in. You're going to have, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make wrong choices but that's going to teach you but at the same time if you have somebody else in the way yeah but what mistakes what mistakes do you think they're going to make man because i mean i got people that write me letters and they're like i've got to drop like seven grand to get into this oh yeah yeah well that's one mistake right there (laughs) yeah (laughs) no you don't have to but what do you want you know can you afford a seven thousand dollar hunt because i can tell you well i'm not talking about the hunt bro i'm not talking about the hunt i'm talking about about the gear yeah i'm talking about just to get the stuff to be able to get out in the woods man they're like no you don't have to spend seven thousand guy what do you what do you think man 
uh, on the money. I mean, you know, when I, when I decide, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, what kind of hunter are you? You want to be that guy that's, you know, touting all those fancy brands, or do you want to be, you know, the Joe blow with the new Hoyt behind them? That's, uh, that is running the equipment that has suited his purpose for X amount of years. I mean, it's really a choice. When I started, man, my, first bow came off of ebay at 150 dollars from some dude in in virginia somewhere and man that's how i rolled you yeah. know and it, it was you know bdus and it was just it was low budget you know i didn't have the means so if you want to be out there you're going to find the means to be out there but you gotta you gotta stop getting slapped in the face with all the the hype and mumbo jumbo yeah yeah you can i mean and you can do this <laughs> low budget for sure Absolutely. so start out with low budget and then just understand whether or not this is really a passion for you and something that you you know you want to continue to do and then at that point then you start you you start reevaluating your budget and then understanding how much you really want to invest on this because it's not only an investment of money it's also an investment of time sure. and is this money and time really paying out as far as how much you love this and how much passionate how passionate you are about this mm -hmm. and so but but it's just a kind of baby steps you know work your way into it and then let it unfold as you know as as you think is really on going to unfold for but you but most people associate when you say low budget right most mm. people associate that with like you know second class third class like mm. you know how am i going to be successful and and again i th i think this is one of those things out there reality versus social media or all the marketing that happens out there is like agree you know uh oh, oh, oh how much the success supposed to cost, man? I mean, you know, it, but when you talk, when you got makes a great point, what, what kind of, what demographic are you from? What kind of, what socioeconomic background do you come from? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, a guy that's a doctor and who's flush with oh, cash, it really yeah. doesn't matter what he spends. Right. But a guy who's a working class guy, who's, you know, a nine to five dude who put, you know, or, or a, a, a nine to nine guy who's a shift worker, who's making a, a good living, uh, but it's different for them, right? You got a guy making $55,000 a year versus a guy making $450,000 a year. It's just different on how they're going to set things up. Yeah, you can get caught up in the hype and maybe that socioeconomic structure is going to lead you into being caught up in that hype. Or if you're a frugal guy, like you know a lot of us are, we we would dive in and try to do some research on you know what guys have been killing you know elk with you know i mean do i need a brand new vx3 or a hoyt raptor or whatever that's out there it's brand new or could i go get me could like the guy said i could look up on ebay and buy me a matthew switchback for 450 bucks and that bow's 12 13 years old but i promise you it will slay dragons brother when you put the right equipment with it Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think I think it's really in, in what you figure out where you want to go, you know, and then once you do, you dive in, like Luis said, find a mentor, whether it be at your bow shop or a guy that you hunt with. I mean, hunting out west ain't easy. 
You know, I mean, everybody reads the information. This is the information age, man. You can Google just about anything, you know. So when they dive in and find out five to 10 percent of people in these areas are only successful versus 20, 30,000 people hunting, that's a that's a big deal. So that that hits you in the face like a crappy. Yeah. Mouth. Yeah. And I think I think one of the things you're mentioning there, it's actually a perfect segue to potentially our next discussion is because. Okay, so you're talking about equipment and stuff like that, that, you know, could potentially increase your success, you know, in the hunt. But then at that point, when you're at that point into where, okay, what is my success in the hunt? Am I out there just for just, you know, having connection with nature and enjoying the ride? All right, you're getting ready to get me going, man, right here, man, because I'm like, oh, you know, because this is where I I really, really struggle. And this is where exactly y'all had better chime in on this because, Absolutely. What is success? Yeah. What is success? Because, you know, I think it's different for every one of us. Absolutely. I think you have to define that yourself, Joe. I think you got to be honest with what expectations there are. You got to do your homework and manage those expectations. For me, man, you, you know, you hunted with me for the first five years of my career and it really was not about killing a elk. plenty of opportunities to do so. Right. Drove my guides absolutely crazy. It was about killing the elk. And uh, by the way, he's right above me right here. You can see him right up here in this little crazy eye. Looking down at you. He's got that eye right. You see that eye right there? That's my wife. She loves to to put old crazy eye on display. So uh, at, at the end of the day, man, it was about killing the elk. All right. And and for, I was okay going home with tag soup. You know, it was going to be just fine with me. I learned every time I went in the woods. Now, for another guy, it may mean that he needs to harvest an animal for him to be. Well, you just said something, man. You said you went home with tag soup, that tag soup syndrome right there. As soon as somebody says, I ate tag soup, what what are they actually saying? Because, guy, we, you know, I've heard heard this conversation happen a lot, man, with with you, the, the experience versus the pursuit, killing versus hunting, man, right? So, What's your viewpoint on that? Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's again knowing the hunter you are. It, it goes back to that, right? Because you are going to ultimately define your success, right? And, and for me, the I, I have this. And I'm not like patting. It might be stupid, but I, it, for me, it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. But I have a, a leap before I look mentality like I'm just going to go. I don't care. I'm just going. And sometimes I'll define my day in the woods or my day on the mountain by my ability just to go. Yeah. Um, and it's really a a personal experience. That's the beauty. One of the beauties of hunting. Right. And then peeling back to what I was saying before you, you got to get away from someone else determining what your level of success is on the mountain. I mean, it's just, it's yours. It's your experience. It's yours to create whatever opportunity you have. It's yours. 110%. If you realize every time you're on the map, absolutely. And if you realize that every time you walk in the woods, you never have a bad day, a disappointing day on the mountain. 
even with a missed shot, right? Those days become learning lessons and experiences that you're going to look at and you're going to capitalize on the next time you're on the mountain. Yeah. Not easy though. I agree. Not easy to, not easy to be, to, to, to have that, um, so clear in your head when you're well, starting out, you get when you're I, starting out, I, I think, the I think problem that's going to be so important is, to manage expectations going forward. I, I think it's like the problem I have is it's kind of like everybody it's, it's got to be black and white and, and, and it's not black and white, man. Maybe, I mean, that's right. It, I think a hunt is made up of a lot of different goals and a lot of different successes and failures throughout yeah. that hunt. Yeah. Uh, all, all I'm saying is, you know, can, can you be unsuccessful in the hunt and have successful things happen? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You can, but you know, when, when it's kind of like this, you know, here we're on a podcast and, and guy does a podcast, right. And, you know, you have TV shows and everything like that. When, when the hunting community and each of us here considers a hunter successful, right? When we consider a hunter successful, what does that resume look like, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw the eyes get real big over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at that point, at that point, you're talking about being able, able to seal the deal. Yeah. So guy, what do you think, man? I saw I, the I, eyes I, get big. Yeah. That that's, <laughs> <laughs> All right. We sit at the top of this. It's going to be open and honest. Yeah. I, I think it's horse ass um, because you're watching a highlight reel essentially. Yeah. Right. And, and we kind of touched on, on that earlier with the, you know, with giving the guy the DVD, you're watching a highlight reel. And then that is not the definition of success. Mm-hmm. Um, the definition of success, in my opinion, when it comes to hunting is getting out what you put in. Right. And I have no problem with how anybody hunts as long as it's responsible and ethical and, and more power to you. Right. If you figured out the, the magic of being able to brand it and and have that content that people are drawn to, but that is not the measure of success. But here's a question. Here's a question for you though. If you got two guys that are both responsible and ethical, but you got one guy that is able to seal the deal every time and other one that is not able to seal the deal every time then how do you measure success between the two to you in your mind, knowing, understanding that, you know, who's the better hunter? Well, it, 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 it really doesn't matter because you, now, now you're talking Does about party's it, opinion. It, no, it, it only matters to the person that's hunting. Well, no. And I understand what Luis is saying though. Right. Because, because yeah, if you look at that, I have my buddy, I'm not going to even be guessing. All right. Drew, the the poor guy can't steal the deal. We're in the elk woods and he's got a uh, elk 80 yards away. He creeps in 30 and he's like, I don't see the damn thing. Right. Shoots at I don't know how many Turkey with a Turkey tag in his pocket. Can't steal the deal. And sometimes for me, it's frustrating, right? Cause it's like, you want the guy to, you want him to arrow something. Right. But at the same time, as I watch him grow and understanding the process and the struggle, I can't, I can't not equate that to success. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to be all the much better when he arrows that. Yeah. Right. Then you're like, damn it. Right. And then on this podcast right now, I watched like that for three years. Right. And, know, and so. then when that comes, right, you know that all that's going to come together in his head. Right. All those failures are going to come. Man, that that is the buildup. Right. I, when I started this and it's the journey. Right. Yeah. The journey. When I started hunting, man, I went I think I went four years 
I think I, I think it was four years before I killed a deer. Right. And I was out and out and out and out and out. Right. Couldn't figure it out. Like what? I didn't even see an animal for three years. Mm -hmm. I finally got on an animal man and it was like the greatest thing. Right. So understanding that part of the journey, um, it's a big deal. And I think, you know, if you look at it in terms of the struggle and the respect of the struggle, right. Um, the game, if you will, that is where that success is defined. And I think the more, the more people start to show the hardships of hunting in those films, the more likely we are to come together and people go, wow, that is, that is the business right there. That is it. Uh, you're 100% right, guys. Oh, there is love room for Hollywood in the hunting world, no doubt, right? And we, like you said, most of the time we see the highlight reels, all the kumbaya high-fiving and walking up on animals and this, that, and the other. But we also want to see the struggle, too, mm-hmm. because and without any of those successes, it didn't come struggle. I promise you. Even with the major league guys, we want to see that struggle, you know? Yeah. And and for me, we, we walk through that struggle every day. We're doing yourself guys and you know we hunt public land i mean we're not on private ranches and stuff like that i mean i've had the opportunity and many times be able to hunt on a private ranch it is a different world you know does that come because of maturity and age i mean because i i know a lot of people man love football but they'd rather watch the highlight reel than watch the whole freaking game right so mm-hmm. you know sometimes i i, I just think and, yeah, and that's what personal we're preference. About. yeah because we get it we get well, success it part, the journey know. part we mm-hmm. we get that man uh but i think that comes with perspective and maturity and it comes with the struggle of understanding that there's some people man that I go on you can go on youtube right now and you can find you can find some of those where they just show you know the day to day. And some people are like, "Well, I don't want to watch people walking through the woods. I want to watch what's happening when something's up on and they're yeah, the action." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm just Certainly. saying, right? Certainly, and and that goes back to the point of what you were saying earlier today, as far as the 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 flood of information out there. I mean, people what people are seeing are the success stories, and then yes, yeah, obviously so they feel like a failure when it doesn't they, happen. Exactly. 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 They're harder on themselves because they only see the success in the other end. I mean, yeah. you know, Manano and I, we spent it's apple. It's apples and oranges. They're comparing. Absolutely. And Manano and I, we spent years in trying to understand where to shoot these hogs, man. Right. And it was a series of, you know, failure after failure and just kind of mind boggling. I was like, how are we going to hunt these animals? You know, and then it, it took it took mentoring, it took uh, you know researching, it took patience, understanding, and it you know, and and it's become easier and easier nowadays. So yes, I mean, do we consider ourselves successful uh, hog hunters nowadays? I would say we do, but you know, it's not it's not what we do now; it's what we were willing to do. And what we did that got us here. And, and so journey. that's what people, the journey, and that's what people need to understand. But most importantly, I want to, and I'm sorry, Joe, but I haven't heard Chav. And no, I, I was going to just say, the I, same yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, I know Chav, Chav's, <laughs> you know, wheels shit. are turning there. And I'd so want to hear his opinion on all of this. Doggone, you guys woke me up. <laughs> I told you we could talk a leg off of wood and ninja, ninjas and yeah. gonna speak like EF Hutton. Y'all better listen. 
for me, it's been uh, an evolution, you know, uh, you know, it took me a couple of years before I, I, I killed an elk and uh, I had, uh, I figured that every time I went out, I'd have at least one opportunity during a, a seven day hunt. And that, that always occurred. And it took a while before I was able to close the deal. Um, and as far as the success, you know, to me now, of course, it's a totally different evolution because now just getting out there is going to be is going to be best for me. Uh, but uh, I'd say during all those years, uh, every, every time you get out there, you learn something new. And what I really like about bow hunting, it, it's it's a different, you get to see stuff that nobody else does. You know, even rifle hunters, you know, they're, they got their scopes, uh, spotting scopes and their, their binos. They miss a lot. You know, they miss the little things around them. And uh, it's always a learning process. It's always a learning experience every single time you go out there. And if you can just kind of think back to uh, what occurred, you know, what went, what went right, what went wrong, and, and correct your wrongs as you go. Um so to me, success is, is, is really the journey. You know, uh, I love to eat elk meat. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I know there's going to be sometimes just not going to happen. Percentages aren't there. And, uh, I don't have a, I don't have an atomic bow, like probably all five of you guys, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll shoot that 60, 55 pound bow. So my shots got to be right there, you know, got to be in the spot. And, uh, you know, I've lost some and, and I've, and I've, you know, uh, harvested quite a few, probably more than, than the average person. But uh, I, success is just getting, to me, just getting out there and, and having a great time with uh, people that you enjoy hunting with. Yep. And well see, said. And, and <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, man, it, it's just straight up. If it, And it's changed a little bit. Like this year was probably one of the first years. And I think... See, early so, on, Joe, my- how would you feel? How would you feel coming back home with a tax suit? Oh, you man, consider that a success. Friggin' nuts, man. I, I mean, it just would, man. I, y'all, I, y'all gotta understand, Joe's just a little different animal. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, again, it's, it's he's success. Got a tag in his pocket, and he's got a boat. I mean, you hand. got you got it's the different. two sides of the coin here. I mean, you got you know, I, you know, you both are measuring success slightly different. No, but and, and yeah, you know, the thing is, is, is look. Early on in my career, I, I and up to a certain point, I'd say I was a very selfish hunter in that, man, I look, uh, I'm going to go after an animal. Yeah, me too. If, if you're not going to get on it, you better get on my way because I'm going to get in there and I want to make <laughs> a kill. And, you know, I, I mean, uh, honestly, God, I, I got tunnel vision. You can ask Chav, man. I mean, it's like uh, you better get on it because I tell you what, uh, I – I'm like that friggin' cougar, man. I get locked in and I want to go over there and just finish that deal on that. But at the same time, I took, and, and it's, here's the, the weird part about it was as I started doing that and I started getting that down, I took more pleasure out of him getting an animal than I did myself. However, I had to do it, man. I yeah. mean, yeah, I got more for me. It was almost like business, mm-hmm. you know, it was like this. I mean, it's like, I'm going to eat. I'm going to kill. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and seeing him do it was like, 
man, that was my, my heart thumper. And it's like this year was the first year. And, you know, now that I work with you guys and I'm, and I'm trying to ensure that you guys are getting animals, there's times when I'm like, look, if it happens for me, it happens. I've almost like put it in the back seat. Right. And, and it's like, I want to put everybody else out front. And, but then you saw what happened this time, man. Yeah, but man. we it was a perfect scenario for it to happen. We talked about that. You know, we had a great conversation about how this needed to go down, especially if we got in a herd and it split. You know, I, we we all wanted everybody in that camp wanted Joe to kill it out because we knew that that was all our goals to really give it back to Chav. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Our guy that has pushed us and co- you know coached us. I mean, I, I was more upset with myself because I didn't kill that elk that day when my peep site uh, failed me because uh, now I got to call, I got to send Chav a text and go, man, I I whiffed today. You know, that was horrible. Not not to mention I got my mentor over by, what the heck? Yeah, not to mention I got my mentor looking over my shoulder going, boys, I put that thing in your lap. What's up, fellas? You know, I could have killed him with a dadgum ball peen hammer, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I get it. Joe, you you yourself, <laughs> Joe is the ultimate competitor when it comes into I think the harvesting the of milk. You know? I think it's that competitive nature, man. It I really is, Joe. Just I see it all over you, uh, and it's it's part of what we do as competitors. But, sports but, we played. Stuff no, like that. have I, you watched I, any of? Have you watched any of guys post, man? Have you seen what kind of competitor this dude is with them? For sure, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> he does that. Guy. He's just talking about his boy right now he just outed his boy Drew he's like man I don't know what I can do for that hand you know I didn't put him in the middle of him and you know he's shooting turkeys and everything (laughs) but I think guys point about defining what kind of hunter you are taps into what we're just talking about because success is going to be defined based on you realizing what kind of hunter you are well what were you going to say just now guy you had something that was coming out well because you keep saying it's the it's your competitive mindset or that competitor. And I don't and I disagree with it being a competition. Right. And I would say that there there's a drive there. Definitely. Right. And so I, and maybe it's just the way I'm taking it. But there is it's just you're driven to succeed with with that mission at hand. Right. It's a right. drive. Right. That, that's going to make Joe outrun these guys, you know, and then have them chasing up the mountain you're driven, you're driven to succeed. You're driven to arrow that animal. And I think in my head, at least and hearing that is where I see the difference, right? It's not a competition with Chav or, or, or Gil or Luis or Manano. No, it's absolutely not. just it's absolutely not. driven mission Personal. driven, you know, it, it's, Personal. it's just, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fail yourself, right? You've, you've set the expectation for yourself. No, mm-hmm. I, I think that competition has nothing to do with the people around me, bro. Right. right. It, it's it, yourself. It has to do Within with that itself. dude inside me exactly. and, that, and that critter out there and that, and all of the forces that are trying to stop me yeah. from being successful. It's just that refuse to lose type attitude. Right. And it, it just. No, and I dig it. I, I, I can hunt with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was coached that way most of my life. Uh, I'm hard nosed kind of dude. And uh, look, I, you know, I'm my own worst critic. 
Um, at the end of the day, man, yeah, do I want to look, man? I love to eat. My family loves to eat elk meat. They don't want me coming home without one. Mm. So yeah, is it important for me to harvest a? It doesn't matter to me, Joe. Though uh, Joe, it doesn't matter if it's a cow or or a, or a bull. I promise you, my elk tag will say either sex. I'm telling you right now, don't let one get in the sights because it's getting the missile. So the meat is accepted. The antlers and the trophy may not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for clearing that up there, Luis. That's right. My wife's like, look, 41 mounts in this house is enough. We're not having any more. You're going to have to find a place for it to hang. Thankfully, I got a really cool bow shop to let them And I know you've always had a great perspective out there. You just, I mean, well, yeah, I uh, think when Chavo That's an overstatement right there. Kind of thing, man. So, uh, yeah, I was about to say something similar to Chav because my father, he made sure that uh, my expectation uh, were you know, really low, and and it's not about killing an alimant. <laughs> he made sure your expectations were really low. <laughs> no, yeah, about amount. No, about killing an animal. I mean, okay. it's not. It's not uh, being success. I mean, you have to kill an animal to be a success. It's just you have to feel successful if you go out and, and be happy in the woods. Right. So if you kill an animal, it'll be five or ten percent of the hunt. But the ninety percent of the hunt is sharing in the camp and 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 all the all the the, 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 the yeah and um for me uh, uh to be success first of all is to be to have the opportunity to go with you to the l camp mm-hmm. and to fill my tag it's 20 percent for me yeah uh so that's my my general thought on this yeah of course I, I, I wanna, we've gone to l camp without a tag in our pocket yeah of, of course uh but if I have the opportunity to, to to draw my bow, awesome. If not, I'll be happy going with you. Too. Feeling feeling Burulakis feels yeah. Like that's more, uh, more and, I, and I was I was about to say that uh, when when guy uh, mentioned it about the competition to Joe. Joe is not a competitor. He 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 loves the Burulakis. I mean, it's something that drives him nuts. He's a, it's, he's a freaking he's adrenaline a, junkie. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, I didn't mean I didn't. I, would, I don't want nobody to take it wrong. I wouldn't, no, you know, like right. Dyson on Joe. No, it's not. It's and not, I, I believe you're right, guy. I, I think you yeah. were redefining the situation. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful uh, to have these internal competition. I mean, it's absolutely, man. I mean, I call it guy. I call it the unicycle mentality, man. I mean, I, because I, my stepdad one time brought home a unicycle. We were six kids in our family and he brought home this unicycle that somebody had given to him and he showed it to us. And he's like, this is a unicycle. He says, I'll probably be taking it back in two weeks because you guys will mess with it. And then you're done with it. And just his whole thing of saying that it was something that we couldn't do. Yeah. You know, it, it just like drove me. And I mean, I, I had to conquer it, man. It was just, it, it's the drive. always been that way in my life, man. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, drive. Drive. it's, it's that exactly. drive, That's man. Yeah, it, 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 it is the drive. It's the drive to, you know, <laughs> when I was my first elk hunt, I got up there 325, 30 pounds, man. I mean, a, <laughs> 
I had no business being in the woods, but Carl Gamage was gracious enough to give me my first elk hunt. And when I got there, he was like, oh my God, I got to tote this fat ass all around this mountain. I am not, this is not going to end well for him. Right. And, and look, one thing he knew is that, Hey, fat boy could shoot, no doubt. Right. But I'm going to have to get him up and down out of these hills. And it's, it's uphill every way you leave that dadgum camp, man. I mean, it's uphill coming there and going back. Right. There's no freaking air up there. All all for us flatlanders. Somebody sucked it all up when we get there. Cause I mean, it takes three days to freaking figure out how to get some oxygen in your lungs. When they, when they freaking gave me that elk hunt, it changed something inside me mentally. Uh, I was driven like there was no tomorrow. First of all, I am a very competitive dude, right? Guys are coming in talking about all these experiences, and I'm like, how in the hell could y'all even enjoy this experience? I was about to die. I'm talking like <laughs> several times I was going to die out there on that mountain, right? But I knew it was such a surreal real, unbelievably beautiful moment. I don't even give a damn if I died or not, because that was a cool thing to die anyway. (laughs) So I was going to get better at this, and it was yours truly, Joe Gillia, WWE. Hey, Big O, could you... Could you quote uh, Mr. Carl when you call him in the phone and say, hey, Mr. Carl, I just want to hunt Gaelic. How do you say? Yeah, exactly. He's, I said, hey, man, I said, I, I heard you guys have an elk hunting operation up there. And I said, I want a, a real bow hunt to hunt elk. He goes, hell you say. I said, no, I, I couldn't believe this cat, man. Carl Gamage is, he's really the reason elk burrows exist, right? Uh, it, it put us all together. Uh, make a long story short. You know, I, that first year I was not successful. I did loose an arrow uh, and I wounded a bull. Um, they actually found him. Um, they actually found him about six weeks later. He was a really big bull, like a 342, man. He was a giant bull. But everything I learned about bow hunting ran down the crack of my butt when that bull stepped out at 19 yards and I shot him with a 40 yard pin, you know. So, uh, which pin? Yeah, yeah, all of all them. them. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Gilbert. I had never seen anything like that. So for me, the hunt, and I, look, I signed my name on the wall of that cabin. You know, Gilbert Ornelas, uh, the year I was there, and it, and it it has a quote in it. It's not about the harvest. It's all about the hunt. And I've been that way my whole life, man. I grew up in a hunting family. Me too. And I live to be in the journey. I live to have that journey, to go. Go in the woods or go on the lake or whatever and see that sunrise in the morning. And then whether I catch a fish or I kill an animal, I've gotten to go out into God's great outdoors and, and enjoy that, usually with a family member. And yeah, I'm calling my elk brothers family members because that's what they are to me, man. And I get to enjoy that with a family member and get out there and test myself against the elements, against the animals, against everything that's against you while you're out there putting this thing together that's a personal success for me to be able to enjoy that and when i met you dude when i met you you were on a cpap you were on medications you were about you say three and a quarter probably like 330 335 at the time and i mean uh it, it it altered your life and and i tell you what i'm gonna i'm gonna call out my mentor too 
the guy that, you know, the sensei over there that was talking Absolutely. about, oh, it's all about the journey and, and this and that, right? <laughs> I, I want you to know, man, uh, it, you think I'm a driven son of a buck? I, I learned it from that puppy over there. I mean, he sounded mm-hmm. all nice and gentle. This dude in a race, in a distance race, could be on his last. I mean, it's like your energy level when, when you're there on a rela- on a race, man. It's just you well, guy, you've been out there. I see pictures of you running up the mountain and stuff, right? Yes, you, sir. You know what that feels like when that voice is on your shoulder and <clears throat> telling you you're not going to be able to do it? Let me tell you what. That dude right there would have guys come up and challenge him, and they should have gone by him. He will friggin' cough up blood before he lets people pass him. I, I kid you not. He will cough up blood before he lets that happen. He is such a driven individual. And, and, you know, uh, he, he looks all nice and sweet over there and telling that stuff. And, and, and I know Chav understands. I mean, he, he taps on the force. Yeah, the force he, is strong with him. He, he, he is the force. Is strong with and, that and it's like, I've listened to guy, dude. I've he will tell you that. And but he is. I've listened to you, man, and I've watched your thing like when you had your wife in the mountains last year and when you guys were picking the hardest spot. I mean, okay, I'm not going to say you're the brightest puppy in the woods. That's that's a fact, brother. (laughs) I'll never I'll never argue that. But that's what I say. Right. Is I'm going to leap before I look. Right. And that's and that's part of it. But what you were just saying about chat there. Right. And and it goes back to everything we're saying. Right. Even with I mean, between expectations and success, um, you know, temper your expectations as in terms of the animal, but in terms of success and expectations for yourself, right. It has to be lofty. Right. And, and, and your expectation for yourself in the woods is that you are going to grind it out, be that grinder. Right. And you are going to push yourself as far as you can possibly push yourself to where you're, you know, don't folks don't do it. And I don't want you on the mountain blaming me, you know, spitting up that, that air quote blood. Right. And that is going to define, your level of success and it's going to change your mindset in terms of what success is in terms of relationship with the animal or the notch tag you gotta you gotta look at it like that yeah you 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 you're tapping onto something that i wanted to chime in on because i actually talked about this on your podcast um on the reflection sections and and when you're talking about that drive that drive is basically what's pushing you every day in and out to give it all to give all that you know everything in your toolbox to go out there and and try to accomplish whichever goal you've set for yourself now the importance of that is that at the end is and i say it again on that podcast is at the end of the hunt no regrets that's it and and the no regret mentality is that you know that your drive has made you give it all everything you could and then you're going back and you're saying okay yes my hunt was a success because i know i gave it all i learned and it was it, it was epic and i had great memories and i know that i gave it everything i could give it now mm-hmm. have i learned a lot and are there things that i can improve upon on the next hunt absolutely but i know for a fact that i gave it all That's and it. what makes you do that is exactly what you're talking about is that drive i i think we're 
I think people have to allow themselves to have an incredible hunt experience and it still be okay to feel like you're unfinished. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, because look, and I say this all the time, it's just like they say in basketball, man, if the score wasn't important, there wouldn't be a scoreboard. Right. Exactly. If, wouldn't keep if, score if, if feeling a tag wasn't important on a hunt, I have a tag. Yeah. Why well, have a yeah. tag, man? You just, yo, if I would have harvested an elk, the very first hunt I went with you, I would have not had to drive Built to continue to grind on for the next three years <laughs> to learn and improve upon all my weaknesses to to actually get to accomplish that goal. And that's where we're a little different. I would have. Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. This was something that struck a nerve in me that if I would have been successful or not, man, I'm coming back. I told Carl Gamage that, look, if it hair lips the governor, son, I will be here every freaking year that I can afford to. And I will do whatever it takes to make sure that happens. It is a competition of my will, right? Every year to get better and and have my goals changed? Absolutely. Every time I step in the woods, I feel like I can 
can punch that tag, whether it be with a cow or or a bull. And look, it's because of the mentors I've had, guy. You know, it's because I've hunted with the with one of the best elk callers in the country. That's it's true. Become who's helped me become a a good elk caller myself, right? My my the coolest thing in the world was when I started hunting with Chav. Joe gave me the Chav, right? That's his that's his brother, man. That's that that's his hunting partner. He sacrificed his hunting partner so that I could have another mentor in my life and help me understand how to speak the language. The coolest day in my life, successful if I it, it, I'd already killed a bull. And I'm telling you, I, it would have never mattered to me if I'd have killed that bull or not. But was the first day I ever called an elk in for another hunter. And that was for, for Leroy Chavez, man. I mean, Leroy Chavez, you know, we call him Chav. He was... He guided me through one of the most grueling freaking hikes we've ever pulled off, man. And then to a coup de grace of having two herds come together and him getting a shot at a really beautiful bull. And uh, at the end of the day, that's a success, right? That's a success for me as a hunter, is a success for Chav. We, and then it was the um, most unbelievable journey to get down off of that mountain. It was like the mountain never stopped. It was <laughs> mile point at 1.8 miles for five miles straight down, man. Uh, it was horrible getting down off of that mountain. After we climbed all the way to the top, tracking that bull, uh, it, was, it was a crazy day, but that's a success. So guys are going to your successes are going to move as your as your uh your hunting it's a moving target for sure yeah your hunting yeah. experiences uh as you experience in your your hunting game gets better and everything else those goals are going to change you know um i for joe it'll always be 100% punching that tag right and for me i, I kind of i'm getting more and more the feeling of that same way because it's gotten so much easier for me you know Guy, you know as well as I do. Once it happens the first time, it gets easier, brother. Yeah, you know what's funny with that is, you know, so for me, I'm playing a fool's game, right? In, in anyone's eyes, I, I went out my first season. This is coming up this year will be my fourth year elk hunting, yeah. and out my first season in Wyoming, arrowed a bull. Um, that bull, he he took off on us. Uh, it was a good shot. He ended up, you know, he ended up dying. But by the time we got to that bull, he was stripped down. Somebody found him before me. Sure. Now I've had, I've had opportunities and, but I set an expectation for myself, right? That bull was a beautiful five and my expectation is nothing below that bull. Right. So I've let things go. I'm okay with it. Right. And, and last year when, you know, when I was up with my wife and, and we came back and I, I kept wondering, like, was that the right call? Like I could have arrowed a cow. I could have, you know, I had an opportunity. And then when, the, when me and the fellows were there, I had opportunities on rags and I, and I passed, right. Because for me, my expectation of what I want to do and my success was set three years prior and I'm okay with walking away from it. Right. And there's brother, I was the same way. And there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, having a lofty goal and saying, I want to, 
a 380 bull as my first bull or yeah. you know going after a spike tag there's, OT. No, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it as long as you enjoy the hunt absolutely look it, it very quickly on my very first hunt with uh with uh with joe and and beto and chaff you know i realized how difficult it was to actually bow hunt uh, an elk in public land mm -hmm. so my expectations completely changed from hey i want a trophy bull to i want any elk. any bull <laughs> you know any elk you know in general so you know as the conversation started to progress as we showed up at camp and it's like i'll shoot anything yeah i'll shoot any elk that that that, that is out there but again and that's a moving target because mm -hmm. now i understood that at, you know any any elk in a public land with a bow it was an incredible accomplishment it's a, it's a trophy incredible accomplishment so and that had been the mentality since then up until now and it continues to be the case but again you know it, it depends if you go to a paid hunt in a private ranch <clears throat> where they have different size bulls and different price tags for each one of them. Yeah, that changes, you know, your expectations yeah. are going to be different based on what you paid and how much you want to pay for sure. something like that. Sure. So again, it just depends of what, you know, your expectations are. Yeah. yeah Joe, you guide. In, uh, yeah. God, do you glad as well? No. Okay, so Joe guides, so he's he's in that realm, and, and myself too. We guide a lot of different hunts, and uh, Joe Joe's in that realm when guys come to a private ranch and they pay X amount of dollars, they have an expectation as well, right? And you know, our job is to put them on a bull of that expectation, right? And uh, and, and we absolutely hunt in the areas that are target rich environments, right? And uh, you know, Joe gets to hunt on one of the most beautiful ranches in the country, myself as well, right? Uh, they're different style of hunting than what we do on on uh, do-it-yourself, you know, uh, uh, public land stuff. So it's just different. But every guy that walks into that camp has a measure of success in his mind, you know? And I think as, as guys that are just starting out, the most important thing, and Guy touched on it, is you setting and managing the those expectations for yourself and understanding what guy said it best. What kind of hunter are you? What kind of hunter are you looking for? Well, you, you know, know, and those, those guys that I take out there, they're, they're, they're no different than guy, you know, because exactly. you no, know, they've already said, look, and, and I have no problem with this, man. I look, I, I don't have the luxury of a lot of selection because I get two, three, four days that I got to make it happen so I can go to work and make it happen for everybody else. So yeah. I've got to, I've just got to get something down. But when, when, when you decide that you're going to take that challenge of a mature animal, that, yeah. that's a heck, then it's about the hunt. And that's, <laughs> that's what's so cool is when I have those guys, when I have somebody like guy, like if we were partnered up and guy said, Joe, man, I, it's going to be a five or above, man. It's like, heck yeah, let's hunt. I mean, yeah, let's we're go. hunting now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we know what we're doing. Even though it's all a hunt, it, it's even, it. he's added another element to it. We're going beyond just hunting. We're going on, we got to hunt for something particular. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you're making you're it that, to, that yeah. much, you're, you're making the odds that much more difficult. You're really having to go that extra, yeah. you know, step. 
bird exam like that. So For sure. It, 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 drove, it drove Carl Gamage and R.C. Knox absolutely bonkers for me to draw back on a raghorn and let him walk at 35 yards. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, my God. That's, you know, yeah. We had to put so much work in. And I get where they're coming from. They had to put a crap ton of work for me to get in front of one of those suckers, man. You know, it wasn't like first day deals, three or four days of hauling my fat ass up around that mountain. And look, they, they're like, man, we need this guy to seal the deal or they don't feel like it's been successful. And that's when I sat them all down and went, fellas, y'all don't understand, man. It, it ain't about just killing any elk. I mean, I can do that. I'm already, you know, not a problem. You know, uh, it's about that <laughs> I want to. You know? Yes, sir. <laughs> Joe is shaking his head now. You can't. Yeah, not any help. Yeah, I mean, Couldn't think straight now. Now, for me, it's about Joe. For me, it's about killing a elk. I want to eat elk meat. So my whole thing has changed. You know, yeah, I've gotten some really good bulls under my belt, and I. Could care less if he's 390, 400. Now, listen, y'all give me a round of 390 or 400. He's in serious danger because I am going to go into that mode of going ahead and getting after his tail end. But don't let a cow walk in front of me at 30 yards while I'm doing it because she's going to steal the missile. Yeah. So, yeah, all right. I do not believe you. I'm sorry. I'm going to call you out, right? Oh, come on. Oh, man. good. Right First, time I, I, First time ever. First time ever. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. <laughs> has a 390 bull over there, and a cow elk walks out, and he's saying he's going to shoot the cow and, and forget about that. I did it. And, uh, I'm uh, I did it with Carl Gamage in front of me. We had a big six by six coming down the mountain. He's coming. Cow walks out at 30 yards down below me. I smoked that cow. I tell you I, what, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I had a cow. I had a cow elk right in front of me. So, guys, you miss you miss the world. Oh, man. No, I made that happen. Now, listen, I will tell you. Oh. I, I, I drew on a cow it, it, when I that morning I killed that big bull yeah, I yeah. drew on a cow yes okay? sir and drew on her at 12 yards at 12 she yards dead and, as a hammer and, okay and, and I look up and this bull comes <laughs> strolling in bugling <laughs> Sound like Tyrannosaurus Rex with this giant rack on his head, man. Here he comes waddling in, and yeah, everything I thought about that cow went. I had a moment of uh, for the very first time. Joe said, "You're lying," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he's hearkening back to that story. I guarantee. You. Oh, look, I had That's the same true. thing. I had the same thing happen to me. That story is after his story about where he shot the cow and that bull was down the hill, right? Yeah. You know, that bull was still down the hill a little way and that cow came up. Yeah, he did kill that cow, but this one with Chav, he had a cow at freaking 12 yards and he backed off and was like... Oh, dude, that bull comes strolling in there like he owned the, owned the whole country, man. I mean, he, he was going to walk in at 70 yards of me, man. Broadside and all sullied and got his cows around him, man. He was the straight up monster. Art, dude i mean what an unbelievable challenge and i was not gonna guy, guy you have a you have a, a bull elk at 70 yards nothing in the way you would do shooting it? it i'm shooting it absolutely, absolutely. i'm shooting it yeah. and, and why is that bud i'm i 
I spend a lot of time behind the string. Um, I am confident with my equipment. I'm confident with my ability. Yeah, uh, it's a shot that I know I can take. I'm taking it. Yeah. You know, that bull scored 340 something and 346, I believe. And, you know, it's the largest bull I've ever taken in my life. He might as well have been 366. Uh, he looked all gigantic and uh, he was a big bodied, huge body bull. Uh, and he walked in and what they're saying is, you know, I did pass on the cow because I had her dead to rights at 12 yards. <laughs> Drew the bow. Drew the bow. Was going to kill her. Was going to kill her. Drew the bow. Cow walks in there. 12 yards. I would have loved. Yeah. I looked up guy and this giant bull just comes strolling in, bugling his head off. Sound like Tyrannosaurus Rex coming in there. And he kind of stumbled forward and kind of caught his balance. And I knew because I'd ranged the top of that hill that it was at like 71 yards. He was actually right at 70. And he stopped. And when he stumbled, he turned quarter in just a slight bit. And I'm like, and he's looking at his cows in another direction. And I redraw and you know the little red dot meets the other little red dot <laughs> sent the missile and it he went 12 feet brother that was it boom you know uh it was crazy how that sent day, the missile <laughs> yeah we sent the missile down range and it was all right guys man, uh, i, I want to thank everybody man for that was just that was just awesome man and, and i hope all of our listeners you heard a lot of viewpoints and I think if you boil it down, uh, if you could paraphrase, Guy, what we just went through, what would you have just pulled from that conversation? It is and you are what you make it. Good. I mean, in a nutshell, right? The, yeah. the hunt, the type of hunter you are, uh, the, the level of expectation, the goals, all that you you're in control of 110% of it. So, you know, you want to, you want to get out of it. You're going to get out, you know, cliche is all heck, but, um, whatever you put in. Yeah. And 100% we're here to help those hunters and we're not lying about what we're telling you. Yeah. We're, are we on a social media post? Absolutely. Are we, do we have a podcast? Sure. But this, our podcast is to help you guys. So go listen to the Western Contours podcast and absolutely go listen to the Elk Bros podcast and put yourself through the Elk Bros base camp and it will help you manage those expectations that are coming up, Joe. I, you know, uh, I, you know, you say that and and I hope that's true because I don't a lot of and you know, one thing that we talk about is is success and, and that's what that's what guy is saying. It's a personal experience. And, you know, it's like any team, any team is a reflection of their coach, right? 100%. A reflection of their coach, a coach's personality. Now everybody on your team has different personalities, different roles, but it's a reflection of that. There's just something that kind of flows through. And, and I hope all of those people, all you guys and gals that are taking our base camp that, and I'm extremely proud of that, man. I, you should be. You know, should and be. It's, the stuff that we want to talk about in there about responsibility and about ethics and, and the, and the way that we cover, 
uncover things to try to make sure that and ensure that you make a responsible kill, that you put that animal down, that you're going to be able to find that animal. But again, this is all a personal experience. And so a lot of that, my, my feelings, my drive, all of that kind of goes in there. And as your coach understands something, I want you to understand all of the separate levels of goals. I want you to understand all the separate levels of successes. I want you to understand the journey that guy is talking about and how personal it is to each and every one of us. But for me as a coach, understand that if you take that course, my goal, the reason that you are coming and paying for that is for me to try to teach you not only about all of those internal struggles, all about all those mental endurance and all of these different things. But my goal is to get you so you seal the deal so that you punch a tag. And for me to feel successful as a coach, it's not look, whenever we took kids to a championship, we never talked about winning a championship. We always talked about competing with the love, competing hard, you know, being driven and enjoying that atmosphere. And that's the same thing that we're telling y'all right now is, and the same thing I'm telling you. And if you do that, if you go out and you work at being driven, if you develop your skill set, just like I would any team in preparing them to give them all the tools to be successful, out there, then the success will take care of itself. And, and don't ever hide from the fact you hear us say things that that guy's a real killer. She's a real killer. You know, there's sometimes there's people that hunt and there's people who go out and they just kill. And we're not meaning that in a negative way at all. Yeah. You know, it is. Yeah, I think it's semantics, Joe, it from, you know, kill to harvest to whatever. So, right. So I, I think, I, I think it's important for people to understand that for you to understand what kind of hunter you are, you're not going to realize that before you start out going out there hunting. It, it may take a few years in order for you to understand it. You have to make your experience your own. And I agree with you, what you're saying, you're going to be a reflection, a lot of, you know, where your mentorship comes from, but then make it your own because, because at the end of the day is about your experience, about your journey. And it, it was going to take a while for you to really figure out what kind of hunter you are. If you get done with our course, if you go out there and you feel great about what happened, then boom, right? Uh, I've scored right there. If you inside your heart are fulfilled, now you can feel like you're not finished, like there's more you want to accomplish. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you feel good inside, like you have had a successful season, then I've done my job. Yeah. And if you don't, then, then try to understand why. And then, and then continue to grow on that aspect. Got to be honest with yourself. And I'm going to shameless plug right now. Right. And I'm a shameless plug the base camp. So when, when Joe was coming up with that, you know, he and I talk and he shot me the, the version that was in the works. And as I progressed through that and that, there is there is so much value and i'm not saying that i'll say that on any platform there is so much value in that base camp platform if you take the time when you walk in the woods and you have that put the notes in your phone right as as often as we're on the phone put the notes in there you will absolutely walk away from the elk woods with the level of success that we're talking about and those expectations and where you set yourself, you can't go wrong with that. And, and man, I, I appreciate going through that, but the way that you guys put it together, is just, is phenomenal. 
It really is. And, you know, Tim Cardova, our guy who led us off this this evening, he's the one. I mean, he said it himself, man. He feels like he's got bigger armor on him because of what he's gone through. You know, I can't say it enough. You know, you guys prepare, work hard, work hard on your physical fitness. Uh, We all know round is a shape, but you got to get in shape and, you know, Put your time in behind the bowstring. You know, guy said, I mean, he puts a credible amount of time behind his bowstring. We and all do. And confidence right there. Yeah. It no. build, build your confidence and then go out in the Elkwoods, man. And, and like Guy said, man, just, you know, he's a he's a kind of run out, run out there with his hair on fire kind of guy and take what it comes to him, you know. So uh, I, I'm a lot that way, too, man. I, I, run, I run through life with my hair on fire at 90 miles an hour, and we just kind of try to keep the damage control to a minimum, you know, uh, but it's cool to have this platform be able to talk with guy and gain such a great perspective of what he believes since, I mean, in all, all reality, he's a juvenile elk hunter himself at, you know, four years, you know, going out in the elk woods. So, so cool to get his perspective and the mafia's perspective. Always amazing to have the ninja, uh, talk to us about, uh, elk hunting for sure. And of course, you know, the mafia is, is gaining more and more, uh, notoriety as they, you know, put out, stuff even in their own podcast guy i mean uh, these guys are such incredible people and incredible men and 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 hunters that you know we have such a a cool diverse elk camp uh and then to be able to have guys like you that you know help us with with uh, other ideas and coming on our show and and uh, helping us with your perspective it's been fantastic we just wanted you with us man we you know it's like it's like being able to invite you in and pull up a chair man I, i mean that's yeah, cool. exactly. So, oh, did you, you tell them, did you tell the boys how that how that went down? What? When you when you text me and said, "What are you doing on Wednesday?" Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I go, I go, "What are you doing next week at six And he goes, "I'm sitting in with the Elk Bros, man." <laughs> That's cool. I was like, I was sitting That's there. I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get out of here, we got another little deep discussion here, man, in our yeah. Elk Bros mailbox. So Gilbert, this is from Casey Yeats. I, I think that's how you say it. Yeats from Logan, Utah. Yes. Um, uh, could you read that out for us, man? You, you bet, brother. Uh, Kelsey Yeats from Logan, Utah writes, you guys talk about leaving the animal for at least two hours after a kill shot. I'm a huge animal lover and have always been aware of animal suffering. When I kill a big game animal, my first thought is, is, is he suffering? I want to put him out of his misery as soon as I possibly can so he doesn't have to suffer. My initial thoughts on leaving the animal for two hours is why I allow him to suffer for any longer than they have to. Could you shed some more light on your reasoning behind the two hour rule? Maybe help me feel better about doing it next time I harvest an animal. I agree with you guys 100% on paying your respects after killing an animal. I always thank the animal and this may sound kind of funny, but I pet him and while the animal, I say a few words. I love that you guys preach respecting the animals and that's huge to me. Yeah. Guy now, I'm not sure what, I mean, you do a lot of hunting. Now, he said something about you being young in the Elkwoods, but you are not young to to hunting at all. You're kind of like Manano there and an incredible archer. So you you come across situations where 
you know, as oh, far man, as I'm sorry that he compared about. you to Manano, bro. <laughs> 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 he didn't mean that. I, I trust me, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> what, what would you have to say to Casey there, bud? <sighs> I get it. Right. I, I absolutely get it. And it is not a good feeling when that animal, you know, takes off after that shot and you know, you're going to have a blood trail on your hands. Um, but it really is the best case scenario to set back, to exude some patience, right. And let that animal expire without jumping that animal, busting them out. I mean, what, what's the worst case scenario? My Wyoming deal, right? I didn't bust that bull after, but he took off. I never found that bull. That bull died. If, if, if someone, you know, wouldn't have done what they did and I didn't find that animal, I just wasted that animal. That's the worst feeling in the world to me. So I would say, you know, settling back and understanding that, yeah, like, just like the elk bros say, right. Uh, midline of the body, three, four behind the crease, let it go. You're going to get that pass through it, it is a tough animal um it's it's going to it's going to drop it's going to drop and you got to understand if that shot's a little bit questionable it's better to set back and know you're going to recover than you know cause the suffering if you will uh and lose the animal yeah i'd like to even add to that guy casey you know we definitely if you've not watched our podcast on shot placement i don't know casey if you're a, a rifle hunter or you're a bow hunter uh, so I'd like to know that you can write us back in. Let us know if you're a rifle hunter or a gun hunter, because they're two different scenarios. Guns kill with shock and damage uh, from the bullet uh, shocking the animal, whereas a bow actually kills much more uh, routinely and, and much more surgically because we're piercing both lungs and the animal actually just can't breathe any longer and they expire really quick. If you watch my animal this year on video he was dead within 13 seconds i mean stone graveyard dead right i've seen animals shot with a 30-06 and they miss one long they're alive for two hours and if you jump them you will never find them because they get such a big adrenaline rush yeah uh that and these elk are such giant athletes that they have huge organs a heart that's like a basketball or a volleyball and lungs like a number 10 wash tub. I mean, and they, on one lung, they can go several miles without stopping. And in the country that they can go in, you can't, you know? So it's really hard. So when we shoot a bull with a bow, my first rule of thumb, and it's with a deer or a bull or anything else, if I know I made a really good shot, I'm still going to wait that time because I know if I, if a lot of times when we see the shot, it's not exactly what we thought. The animals tend to tend to pivot or and as deer drop or whatever. So what we thought was a really good shot could and we hit a rib and it turned the arrow. It could turn into more of a liver shot than it was a lung shot. So it's really important. Number one, when you go find your arrow to try to determine what kind of hit we have. Right. Do we got a double lung hit? Do we got a heart shot? Is it muscle blood? Is it smell like good? 
gut on the arrow. I mean, those things are all determining factors in how long we're going to wait after a kill shot. If we we 10 ring or 12 ring that rascal and we know, you know, bulls, you know, died within sight of us. Well, yeah, we're not going to wait two hours. But when we do our job, you ain't got to wait two hours at all because you watching him fall in your sight. You know, uh, I, I may uh, the bull I shot two years ago, I made Joe and them wait for 10, 15 minutes. And they didn't want to because they saw him go down in less than 10 seconds, you know. But I have jumped these unbelievable athletes even with two two lungs popped and they can get up it, I've, i watched a bull shot five times with a muzzle loader in the shoulder five times with a 50 caliber muzzle loader and that bull was not dead when we walked i watched him get up all five times so what we're talking about is leaving the animal an opportunity to pass away peacefully peacefully Yes, sir. And and, and they, if you've ever watched one pass after they've been double owned or right where we tell you to shoot them, it's as peaceful as going to sleep. I mean, they're not bellering and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they just they pass away. It's very peaceful. And uh, the reason why we wait our time, especially if we think it's a marginal shot, is so we don't get them up and create an opportunity for them to escape where we never find just, them. Yeah. Just Sometimes just because you wait uh, and and it's not always two hours again it could be four hours it could be six hours that we depending wait. on the shot that's right Jim. on the shot i mean yeah. on on what you see on that yeah. and so it's not i mean that's kind of gilbert's general rule generally if i see a, a a double lung pass through and i've got i got bubbles in the blood i know half hour yeah. 45 minutes yeah. I can start doing a tracking job on there if my arrows pass through. Um, and in that now if I get some curve back, if I smell paunch on an arrow, yeah. you know, mm. then I've got a little bit of one. Well, I might be waiting now 24 hours for That's that. Right. Because, again, it's like Gilbert said, look, the reason you feel the way you do, and that means you're worth your salt because you care yeah. about, and we care about. And we do too. Yeah. People don't understand that relationship, man. But if you were to get to know hunters, they so care about the animals that we're working to preserve and, and to ensure that we have these critters here for our kids and our kids' kids. And that's right. You know, when you respect an animal that much, then sometimes you have to respect them enough to let them lay. Because like Gilbert says, you know, you got to let that animal go peacefully. Whereas if you go in there thinking that, well, I'm going to put that animal down right away so it doesn't suffer and you jump and you get that adrenaline flowing. Now you have just turned that situation from something that you would have found an animal down and harvested it to an animal that's now is going to run. It's For going to suffer from that running yeah. to a point of that adrenaline. It's like a drug in them. And yeah. there's a good chance now that you're not even going to recover that that animal. So right. you got to respect the animal and the situation enough to be smart enough to back out. And yeah. now look, if I'm in a hard where I see an animal that is standing, that is hanging down there and I get a chance to put a second arrow. Oh, absolutely. Yes, oh, yeah. most definitely. Or yeah. if I see an animal that's there and I realize I can stalk in and finish it and yeah. put it down sooner. Heck yeah. yes, I'm doing. Yeah. There is not a hunter that does not want that. 
But if you're in a situation where you don't see that animal, where they're bedded, and now they they have the drop on you, they're going to see and hear you coming. All you're going to do is make a situation bad when you yeah worse. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. There are some opportunities in which they don't they might not even know what happened to them absolutely and so they may feel sick and they may lay down to kind of try to rest it out it's like what we just went on what happened and then again that goes back to that's probably more peaceful than actually the animal then realizing he's being hunted and then now that adrenaline kicking egg that animal getting up and hurting and running away and being scared of being chased and all that and making it completely worse and you probably not recovering you know none of us under can understand this unless you've been in the situation like gilbert i know you've been shot i've actually had I've actually had something penetrate my chest before. And uh, interestingly enough, God has given us a gift in that when you have trauma that happens, (laughs) a lot of times you do not even know that it's happened to you. You know, if you couldn't visually see it, you know, you feel a pinch or something like that. And you look down and, and gave us a gift of shock, man, when, when you go into shock, uh, and again, that animal can do that. It can go into shock. It cannot feel what it, what's happening. It can die peacefully unless you jump that booger and you get that adrenaline going. And, you know, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about with this because, you know, we talked earlier about how we don't put stuff on uh, our social media or things like that. And here's one thing that I, I might be going down a rabbit hole. I might be shaking up a can of worms, but look, almost every animal in nature unless it's taken by a hunter's weapon, hit by a car, hit by lightning, just about every animal out there is going to die a brutal death. And and I, 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 I'm not trying to scare or anything like that. I'm trying to give you a fact because animals out there are killed by predators or they die from disease or starvation. Yeah. They're going to die, yeah. right? And it's going to be, most of them are going to die from a predator. Yeah, and they're and, eating alive. And, and mm-hmm. uh, except for a cougar, mm-hmm. you know, cat, cats are pretty efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pretty doggone efficient, but they can do it as well. I mean, you watch lions and how they do it. Mm-hmm. When an animal is not efficient in a kill, and most predators with large mammals are not efficient. Right. And what that means is, is they're going to get them. They're going to they're going to hamper that animal and they are going to eat that animal alive. They're going to start from one end, but they're going to start from the non-business end where they're not able to get hurt. And they're going to, uh, they're going to brutally take that animal down. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, nature is not easy. It is not kind. And nature. Yeah. And when we talk about us and being part of that formula, hunters are the most responsible, ethical killers 
out there of all of the predators. We are, you know, we are a predator, man. That's uh, we're, we're part of that scheme. And I, I just want, you know, I always people, I hear people, they talk about bears and, you know, uh, the cute and cuddly, but if you have ever seen <laughs> what a bear does to a elk or to, a, to a, a, a doe deer, or, you know, I have watched a bobcat. I have watched a Excellent. bobcat jump on a deer, get on that neck and stay with that booger suffocating an hour or as long as it can till it puts it down, you know, and, and gets it in a position where it can, it can feed because these, it's about survival, man. It's about survival. So, you know, uh, I'm not trying to throw anything out there to, to disturb anybody. I just want, I want facts out there, man. I I want facts. And, and, uh, and, you know, Joe, I grew up on a farm. So everything we grow, grew, or we raised, we ate, you know, and, Everything you you guys in y'all's plushy Lexus cars that got plenty of that leather up under your ass. Well, guess what? A lot of cows had to die for that, right? And they weren't they weren't ethically taken. They were hammered in the head with a dadgum, uh, you know, big shiv that punches them in the head, and that's how they die, you know. And then they're skinned, and all but, their skins used. But so, it is a quick death. So it, no no doubt. But it, cows that live on the range. That are that are beef cattle. When you get a cougar come out, guess what? They're, they or or coyotes or wolves or anything like that. Those cows die brutal deaths before we can keep them safe. You know. So what we do in the woods as conservationists and as uh, officers of the land, man, we try to do our level-headed best to get those animals to expire as quickly as we can via gun or via bow. Uh, I've seen a lot of wounded. I, I, I got a lot, just like Joe, I've seen a lot of wounded animals with a gun. And the guys I hunt with, this crew right here, these guys are absolute assassins with a bow. And they will put animals down very quickly. And uh, I think we... Yeah, I, and I think we've proven that. Our podcast, you know, I, I, I saw one thing one time. My daughter shot her first bull. And uh, again, uh, you know, this going back to what she asked why I wait. We waited in almost 45 minutes and she made a great shot on the bull. It was a little low, but the bull was still alive after 45 minutes. And when he stood up, she sent another arrow at him. And where she hit him lit me up like the 4th of July. And I try to shoot bulls and, and just what we we talk about it's part of our our uh, our podcast to go and look at uh where we talk about our shot placement man uh, that bull died in less than 15 seconds when she shot him the second time and i was like oh my god you know i couldn't believe it blood flew out i mean it was it was amazing how fast the elk expired it had nothing to do with the first shot it had everything to do with the second shot you know so that she got one lung and part of a, a big artery uh and the bull was sick, but it could still really go. And when he stood up, he just, he didn't, he was in shock, Joe. And we got lucky he didn't run, you know? So, and she was able to put another 40 yard shot on him and put him down. So. And Guy, uh, I, I, I know you're on here on, on this podcast where I just expressed, you know, I, I stood on my pulpit there a little bit yeah. and, and I don't represent you. So, you know, I, I don't want you to feel like what I say is something that, you know, 
if if you have any feelings on that, you know, feel free on that. Buddy. Yeah. No, I, you know, Joe, you know me, man. I'm, I'm not quiet. Uh, if I feel like I don't need to be, I, you know, right. I agree with what you guys are saying and Gil just said something there, you know, and, and this kind of goes back to that question. Um, and, and us talking about, um, shot placement and equipment, you know, the, the best way that she can ensure that she's not in that situation is worry about those aspects of it. Uh, I mean, we're hunters, right? And it's the unfortunate truth that I don't care how much I shoot my bow. I don't care how much any of us shoot our weapons. We're going to have that situation, right? Oh, and, yeah. and we do everything we can in our power to alleviate and eliminate those, Yeah, you know, but, but you have to, she has to know that if you're out in the woods or if you're in that blind, um, whatever your scenario is, you know, you're going to have to expect the unfortunate uh, to happen. So make sure you stay after it with that weapon to ensure it, you know, talk and, shop. And be prepared, yeah. understand, you know, understand your shot progressions and what your blood trail looks like from a dark red muscle blood type thing to real grainy stuff on your arrow or on the ground. That's usually a liver, which tells you how much longer you need to wait before you go and pursue your animal and find him where he's expired. Yeah. yeah show that. enough respect where you don't go, ah, it'll be okay. Because I'm telling you what, man, if you have an arrow that passes through an animal, I don't care where it passes through. If you pass through that guts, that, that animal is going to go at a certain yeah. point. So yeah. you, you owe it to the animal to do your yes, trying to yeah. find that animal, hunt that animal, recover that animal. So, um, you know, and, and, and Joe, Joe, this year you had a hunt or was it last year? Last year you had a hunt and you guys stayed on a bull for how long? Three, three days. days? Took me three days. And, you know, but, uh, you know, it was bittersweet. Yeah. And, and here's a, here's a great example, y'all. I mean, a yeah. perfect example. I thought so. My hunter at 40 yards, bull quartering away, quartering away slightly, puts it in the pocket. And it took me three days to find that animal. And he, and this hunter started doubting himself, thought that he had made a bad shot, said he should never be hunting. I mean, did all those things that we do as responsible <laughs> people beating yeah. ourselves up. Right? right. And, and I stayed on that animal for three days, found it at three days later, the bittersweet part was the meat was no longer any good. But one thing that did happen was he got to see where he hit that animal yeah. and he hit it right where he aimed it. But somehow that thing hit a rib or something, turned the arrow and went out through, missed the other lung and went out through the guts about eight inches back on the other side. How that happened? Oh my gosh, I couldn't tell you. There's no way I could tell you other than flexibility of carbon and different things on entry could happen, man. I, I don't know, but I was having that exact same conversation with Manano this past weekend. Every shot is a whole different world. Yeah, and and I had the complete opposite happen this weekend. I shot at a hog and when I looked at the shot and I looked at the video, I was like, man, I'm high and behind. And I don't like the way, you know, where that that arrow went in. I just don't like it. So I went down and I looked at the arrow. Man, the arrow had gray blood. It had some bubbles in the fletchings and it didn't smell like gut. So I'm like, man, that looks like good blood. It looks like it's a good shot. So I, I was like, based on the 
Arrow, I decided to go and wait an hour and a half. So I waited an hour and a half and then I went and looked for that. Started tracking the hog and man, that hog was 60 yards from where I shot it. Laying it is a cold dead. And then I started looking at the video over and over again. I started looking at the exit one. It turns out that hog, when he heard the shot, he kind of ducked and spin in a direction that actually went in your favor. You know, it, it went in my favor yeah. and actually, you know, got the lung on the other side. And that's what kind of expired. But again, I mean, it's just every shot is a complete different world. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's why, you know, and it all comes down to case. It all comes down to we Each try case. to do our best. Shot placement. Animal, man. Yeah. Shot placement. In, in all it. parts. And I mean, from our, our diligence of preparing ourselves and in taking the right type of shot, trying to not take a marginal shot, but you can do everything right and have things go wrong. So in mm-hmm. that case, there's sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And, and, and I know that, um, uh, just from what I can see, you're on the right track and, uh, I hope this helps you. Absolutely fantastic question. Guys, you know, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. Guy, we really really want to thank you for joining us at elk camp tonight brother it's been a true honor to have you on our podcast brother i appreciate you guys uh everything you're doing i appreciate the time and this is like a kid in a candy store for me i'm <laughs> we actually gotta say way. it looks good with six of us up there so. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I like it. So solid. let me ask you guy because we're going to you know, whether or not we do more of this or whether or not our guests want to do this, you know, it, it, it wasn't all dependent on you having to be the person given all the information the whole time. How, how did you feel about the format? But I love it, man. I, you know, and I've told you before, I love with you, what you guys do, man. I, I like, you know, I remember there was a question about the shout outs, right. Yeah. Um, a while back. And I, I love everything about the show, man. It, you know, that, that first call it 20 minutes of the, of the episodes is uh, phenomenal for me, man, the laughs in it. Uh, and then just learning, learning about, you know, Norfolk, Virginia and, and all these little, you know, little podunk US. Yeah. You know what? Let me, let me, I had this actually, if I, if it's okay, but so this is one of the things I found out about my city that uh, in 1993 and Joe, you can cut this out if you don't want to use it, that it, uh, <laughs> the middle-class city of 76,000 became identified it with rampant promiscuity and familial dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> leave, Joe, it to, leave it to God. Oh, no, no right. Thank God, Joe. <laughs> I didn't want to open with that, but I had to get it in there, buddy. Hey, God, Joe. Joe, that's oh, got to stay, man. Oh, yeah. Stay. See how quickly he turns red? Yeah, he's red as like a tomato. <laughs> I, I'm actually red, man. It's just how I roll, man. That's, that's straight, that is no, straight up. I, I love what you guys are doing, man. I 
love the platform. Um, you know, it, 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 it's it's a service part of it, right? And yeah, there's an aspect where there's some back end, um, but this is free stuff. This is free yeah. information, man, just out there in the universe for people to absorb and grow upon. Man, there's there's there can be nothing wrong with that in my eyes. Yeah. Well, God, we we thank can't you. thank you enough again, man. I know, uh, Chad, you got something to say say uh, as we part ways here. Well, no, just uh, thank you for being with us. You know, you added a lot. And, uh, Hope it was added value, sir. Uh, <laughs> was, and, and I'm sure you're, you'll probably be invited anytime you want to. I'm sure. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on whenever you guys want me on. I appreciate it. Go, I'm going to quote the Bible. It says, <laughs> take your bow and your quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild mate for me. Genesis 27, 3. I love that, Manano. Genesis 27.3. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. Way to close out the show. With the Venezuelan mafia in the house, no doubt. Guy, we sure appreciate it, man. Like we say here in Texas, fellas. <laughs> men, y'all kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad heads short and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, boys. Peace, peace. I always wanted to say it. I got it. Peace. And for all of our grinders out there. Oh, yeah. Tom. From our brother, Tony Wintrip, to close out the show, man. Later. I saw my grandpa by the griddle. Good old cast iron pan. Making eggs and bacon. Trying to wake up can again. Vaping up all night drinking whiskey. Celebrating the kill Packing meat on her backs in a canyon Coming out of the Willapaw Hills In a hurry he fired up his pickup
change before I had to leave. I'm the El Camp ship. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.